Hi, my name is James Morehouse, host of the ABN Resource Podcast. If you're in the lubricants or fuels industry and want the latest market trends, career development tips, and insight from key people in the sector, then this is the podcast for you. If you like the content in today's episode, please leave a review and be sure to subscribe. It really helps us to keep delivering great content direct to you. And now it's time for the podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to uh, ABN Resource Podcast. It's your host, James Morehouse here. And today I'm sat with John Turner, who's Vice President of International Operations at Lubrication Engineers. LE, as I'm going to refer to them in the rest of this podcast, they're a formulator and manufacturer that use their own proprietary additives to deliver real high-performance specialist oils and greases headquartered out of uh, Wichita, Kansas, which is, John, I believe where I'm talking to you from today, right? Yeah, that's correct. The heart of the U.S. Yeah, awesome. Well, I catch a few games of NFL over here with Mahomes and stuff for Kansas Chiefs. Quite a few fans over here. That's right. We're going to go into an introduction, John, about you in a minute, but um, just for the listeners, really today's themes are... uh, I think to learn a little bit about your career and how you get to where you are today, but also if there's listeners out there thinking how to take a business into new international markets and grow, I think uh, you've got some great track record and stories to talk about how to do that as well. But firstly, John, just in terms of your career to date and the the role that you've got today, how how did you get to where you are as a VP of International Ops? Yeah, thanks. Um, I guess just briefly, I'll start at the beginning, but I've always had a passion for manufacturing. My family had a manufacturing company since I was probably in, in uh, I don't know, year two or three in, in school. And um, rather than going to daycare or things like that in the summer, I was uh, pushing brooms and washing windows and learning how to uh, run machines. So it was kind of in my blood from the beginning. But in, I guess, probably 2010, we pivoted out of that business. And as I started to kind of look at what do I want to do next, I got connected with a company called Master Fluid Solutions, or at that point in time, Master Chemical, which was a a high-performance metalworking fluid company. And while I didn't know anything about the the chemistry business or metalworking fluids and that sort of thing, what I did understand was how distribution worked and um, you know the commercial side of, of working with distributors. So fortunately, I jumped into this this business, a U.S. based global manufacturer of metalworking fluids, and was able to move around within the organization. So started off in a kind of a territory sales role, and as things progressed, I was able to get exposure to other parts of the business. First international piece, I was given part of an assignment to go and explore the Brazilian market and see you know, if we could potentially enter that space and expand our business down there and later rolled into some global roles, which led to an opportunity for me in 2015 to take my family to Shanghai, China to work as an expat in our division that was based over in, in Shanghai. That was quite a jump at that point in time. There was not a, uh, a lot of time in planning up front 
for that process. But fortunately, I had a wife who was willing to lay her yes down. And, and so we picked up and moved in late kind of end of the summer 2015 and started getting involved in the business over there. That really exposed me and, and opened my eyes because I think at that point in time, a lot of my experience was so focused on only the U.S. domestic market. And I knew a lot about that space, but I didn't have a, a firm understanding of the opportunities that were out there for you know other markets and how we could potentially scale the business elsewhere. So I spent three and a half years in Shanghai working in, in commercial roles and as commercial director for Master Fluid Solutions at that point in time. And honestly, that experience probably got me in three and a half years, probably 10 or 15 years worth of experiences just crammed into a short window there just based on everything that was going on. Fast forward to the end of 2018, and there was a, a new relationship forming where Master Fluid Solutions was becoming the global master distributor for lubrication engineers, a company based out of Wichita, Kansas, as you mentioned earlier. And as I was repatriating from China, uh, at that point in time, our CEO and CFO said, hey, we've got this project going on. We'd really like you to jump in and, and help us figure it out. And so for the better part of 2019, I spent most of my time you know, traveling and, and trying to understand the distribution network that lubrication engineers had. As we got into the beginning of 2020, you know, I had really learned a lot about that business and the network that we had, where the strengths were, where we needed to make some improvements. But as COVID rolled in, both of the companies kind of made a decision and, and said, hey, we need to focus on our core business. So that partnership dissolved. And I had an opportunity to stay at Master or to go with LE. And so while that was a, a pretty difficult decision, I made the jump to come over to LE and continue working on this, this international piece of the business. And yeah, I've been really blessed by the opportunities that it's presented to build that, that structure out and uh, really take and expand the business internationally. John, I was interested to know have you ever had any feedback from peers or, you know, people you had to report into about any of your like character traits or what's got you the success in those international markets and that kind of rate of progression that you've seen? And, you know, these opportunities keep coming to you. It was like, I just was interested to see if there was a particular trait or reason for why that's happening. You know, one thing that, uh, back early in my career with master one of our ceos had said to me at that point in time i think i was probably one or two years in and he had come from a, a pretty big organization he had been with danaher and some other companies like that and he said to me he said you know there's not a lot of people in your position that are willing to move and willing to take a risk and i think you know again Thanks to my wife's willingness to kind of take on some of these uh, adventures and, and um, you know, yeah. come along with me, we've been willing and, and able to kind of jump around a little bit. When people ask us, where are we from? It's uh, a bit of a, you know, uh, a long answer. But I think the flexibility and the willingness to go to where the opportunities are has, has opened doors that maybe wouldn't have 
otherwise. And, you know, that's just been a personal choice for our family. And um, I think what that's done is it's given me exposure to different cultures and different pieces of, you know, business and things like that, where it's allowed me to get exposure that takes my perspective to kind of a different, a different level. And I think then allows some insights into how we can best penetrate those markets, you know, and then to touch on one other thing, I think some of the the people that I've hired or worked with in some of these other international markets, based on my, my experience in some of these other countries or other roles, they've made comments. They said, well, when I'm talking to you, I can understand what you're saying and you kind of get some of the the intricacies about what we're dealing with in the local market. Right. But for people that haven't had that type of exposure, mm. it's much more difficult, whether it's just as basic as communicating because of the lingo and the speed and, you know, this sort of thing that gets thrown at people that are not English first language speakers mm. or just the, I think the perspective of what some of the opportunities are in these other markets. If you haven't, been there and seen it it's hard to understand on some level yeah yeah no, i think you raise a good point of that that awareness flexibility so you know your willingness to actually go to other parts of the world but then you know if you've got significant other people in your life it's having the support and backing from them to to do it as well is a big fundamental for making it a success as well right right so if I was going to talk about a blueprint for successful international expansion, you know, some of the listeners to this show might be a, a US company looking to go global. What do you think the kind of key parts are that are required for that expansion? You know, I, I think understanding the big picture of where you're trying to go is key and having maybe a bit of a plan. It doesn't have to be a, a, a concrete plan as to what you're going to be uh, doing. But I think that strategy and that vision for where you're going can allow you to have some guardrails for how you're going to build out your business internationally. Like anything, there can be opportunities that jump up that appear to be that kind of shiny object out there. And Maybe it's not where you should be focusing your time or your energy, but because it it looks attractive, uh, you know, you start running to that. And I think the key is to to remain focused on where your strengths and where are the real opportunities and how you penetrate those markets. It's not an overnight process, right? It's very much incremental, especially when you're going from scratch. And then as you start kind of getting some victories. I think it's really about continuing to try to build some momentum and, and having a compelling story to tell to whether it's your distributor partners or your your end user customers or those sorts of things about the success that you're having in other parts of the world. There's some markets where it's very important and attractive to users to see that made in the USA or we have you know, these customers that are U.S. customers and, and that sort of thing. But in other parts of the world, that's not as much of a, a relevant topic, right? They want to know, what are you doing in my industry? What have you done in this country? What do you know about the, the local market? And so I think, again, you've got to build that compelling story 
And that takes time. How did you get this? I'm going to kind of phrase it cultural appreciation because, you know, you talk about you could go to one place and you'd say, this is made in the USA, check the label, and they'd love it. You go to another part of the world and that means nothing. Mm-hmm. How do you pick up on those nuances and learn those cultural differences? I think one of the key things is just trying to ask relevant questions and and trying to be a, a, a real active listener. The reality is, is that, you know, it's easy to think, regardless of where you're from in the world, right? It's easy to think that the way we do it in our local market is going to be acceptable and interesting to everybody else around the world, you know, and attractive. But I think the the reality is that understanding the real needs and, and the motivators of what's driving the decisions and that sort of thing is critical for understanding those local markets. For example, you've got, you know, markets where maybe the the engineers or the end users at the customers are more uh, willing to kind of make decisions on their own and others where they go, I'm not putting my neck on that line, right? It's not worth the risk of my job to make that decision. I'm going to do exactly what, you know, I'm told and that sort of thing, rather than making recommendations on how to improve things. You've got markets where labor costs are extremely low. So your value proposition about saving man hours or doing different things may not be the same from one market to the next. Right. The, the understanding of quality and value, again, kind of varies from place to place. So, you know, asking the right questions. And, and then also I've been really fortunate to have good people on the ground in, in a lot of these markets. And that's critical to the feedback loop you know, allows me to have a different perspective. People on the ground are going to understand some of the intricacies more than than I'm going to, for sure. And in this um, expansion process, has there been big learning points where if you could go back in time, you would have done things differently? So I guess, you know, points of learning from things that maybe didn't go as you, you hoped they would have done. Sure. I mean, I think there's some things where we've made some decisions that we thought were going to gonna pan out one way, or we took some risks that we thought were worthwhile that, that didn't turn out to be quite as fruitful as we thought. I think one of the things that I learned more recently is that there's actually a lot of resources and tools specifically for U.S. companies that are looking to expand domestically or expand internationally from you know the government from other kind of organizations that are are there to help small to medium-sized companies expand their business internationally and so uh, whether that's through different types of grants or you know programs i think understanding what those are understanding some of the financial tools that are available to minimize risk when you're you're setting up new sales structures in other parts of the the world. That's really something that I've learned over the last couple of years that I think could have helped me a bit more earlier on in my career. Yeah. Okay. And you've touched on people in a, a few of your answers so far. So if some of these are remote from your location in the US, 
so you're not always physically together. How do you lead those people and how do you get them performing at a high level? So I think it starts in the hiring process. So clearly defining what we're looking for, who we're looking for, the the profile is critical from the get-go because the reality is is that people can put on a, a nice show for three, four, five days if I were to travel there and uh, make everything look great. But vetting out the person in the beginning, I think, is critical to make sure that they're a fit, not only organizationally and, and for the mission of what we're trying to accomplish in growing the business, but also that they've got the personal drive to go out and, and keep pushing the, the the business forward in their local market. You know, so part of that is how we compensate people based on, you know, their activities and, and their performance drives a lot of their compensation. You know, I check in with each of these guys on a minimum of a, a weekly basis to find out what's going on, what do they need support with, and make sure that they don't feel like they're out on an island either. You know, so they've got to have connection back to, you know, a, a regional office or the corporate office or that sort of thing so that they know that the the support is there. And then I think obviously getting out and being alongside them to understand how are they getting engaged with the customers, what type of support is needed there for them locally or where are the opportunities for growth and bringing them back to corporate as well and helping them get engaged with, you know, the right people within the organization. So kind of that, that depth and breadth of connectivity, in my experience, has really helped people to be more engaged and feel a part of that kind of family culture of the businesses and allows them to take ownership and, and pride in what they're doing, even if they are remote. Yeah, I think that's a really neat way of doing it because it's a big challenge when someone's the other side of the world, making them feel a part of the family. Right. Uh, but you, you've got some great techniques for doing that. And earlier with the international expansion, you said hard work, risk, sometimes lost money, etc. You know, so there's there's some challenges there. But what's the upside? What are the benefits? Would you say to companies that are maybe thinking about expanding their geographic operations? Or why should they do it? Well, I, I think first you need to determine if that's a, a fit and what you want to be involved in. I think if you're kind of halfway in, you're going to have minimal amount of success, right? So if you take your existing business model and what's working in your local market and that sort of thing, regardless of where that is, and you just want to copy paste and put that in other markets around the world, you may get some success, but I think it's going to be a bit capped and, you know, difficult to scale. But I think the the big, and I use this phrase quite a bit, but I think the big transition is almost kind of a, uh, it's you want to take your company from being a, and I'll use the U.S. for this example, but, but from being a, a U.S. company that sells internationally to a international company that's based in the U.S. And to me, there's a big difference there from just kind of a, thought process of who are we as an organization, right? And that takes time. It's not 
just again, like flipping a switch. It takes buy-in from, you know, top level leadership down through the organization so that the individuals who maybe aren't as engaged on a day-to-day basis with these, you know, other markets understand what they're doing and how it rolls into the, the ability to grab more market share globally. So I, I think that mindset from a, a leadership standpoint and then throughout the organization is critical because, again, if you try to take exactly what you're doing in your current market and, and duplicate that elsewhere, you know, the sales model may not work, the product portfolio may not work, the, you know, there's various different things that you need to take into consideration. But there is, I mean, there's a massive market out there for almost anyone, you know, that has the right products that appeal to, you know, people around the world. And and so I think, you know, specifically in our case, the industrial business, of course, the U.S. has a, a very big share of that. But, you know, when you look around at Europe, Asia, you know, in, in our world, you know, Australia, parts of Africa, South America, I mean, there's just a lot of opportunity out there. And so I think having a focused plan and understanding where you're going to go and where you're going to invest and what you're looking for to benchmark your results can be really helpful in, in allowing you to go out and grab that other business that's available to you. Well, thank you, John. It was um, really appreciated you having you give up your time to share this knowledge with our listeners on the podcast. And um, I think some great insights there. So um, it was good talking with you. Thank you. Yeah, you as well. Happy to do it. Thank you for the opportunity. Pleasure. Speak soon. Okay. Thank you for joining us on today's ABN resource podcast. We would love to hear your feedback. So please subscribe and review on your preferred media and get in touch for any suggestions on future content and your observations. Thank you for listening.